Hi. Blog Talk Radio. Hi. Welcome to Walls of Fire Deliverance Ministry International. This is Evangelist Janet Taylor, your host tonight. I am here uh, live, coming to you live from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. For those of you that are tuning in, please, uh, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can contact us. Uh, our phone number is 336-830-0601. If you would like to um, sow a seed into this ministry, you can do so through Zelle or PayPal using this email address, jet245 at msn.com. Also, um, our web address, you can find us on the web at www.wallsoffiredeliverancemin.com. Tonight, I am your host. This is Evangelist Janet Taylor. I'd like to tell, take a moment and tell you about our prayer line, which is the Sweet Hour of Prayer, Monday through Saturday at 12 noon and on Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The number to call is area code 425-436-6333, and the access code is 716 716- 5050 followed by the pound sign. Well, we're going to get started tonight. Uh, We do have a word from the Lord, and I want to get right into it. So tonight's message um, is coming from Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. And I'd like to read that for you as you're coming in. So um, the the, uh, scripture says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and of the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And our topic for tonight, our second scripture, is going to come from Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. So I'm going to turn there very quickly, and this is what it says. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So our topic for tonight is God wants to deliver you. Glory be to God. God wants to deliver you. Now, Uh, When we talk about deliverance, a lot of people don't know anything about deliverance. So our our subtopic tonight is what is deliverance. And if you've been on this program before, you know that I teach on deliverance, I preach on deliverance, and I am a deliverance minister. So tonight we're going to get down to it, and we're going to answer a few of your questions tonight about what deliverance. Now, We don't see deliverance in the church today, in our churches today, because 
people are not following the scriptures. Simple as that. Pastors, they pick and choose what part of the scriptures they want to follow. They like the nice, sweet, uh, uh, good-smelling scriptures. They don't like to get down in the uh, trenches with the people, so to speak. But God, he told us, Jesus told us in Luke, Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. I want to read that for you tonight. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And I want to go back to this. He said to preach deliverance to the captives. Now, the reason we're not seeing this being done, not seeing uh, much deliverance taking place in our churches, as a matter of fact, we're seeing literally none of that taking place in our churches is because uh, these pastors are not spirit-filled and they don't know how to do this. If you are not spirit-filled, you cannot cast out a demon. So I need to make that clear first. You must be filled with the Holy Ghost to, in order to cast out a demon. Uh, if you don't, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you're not uh, qualified or, shall I say, equipped to do so. Now, when we look at this passage of Scripture, it says that the Lord says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt. In other words, God says, I have seen what you have been going through. I have heard your cries. I know what, how you have been treated. I see how the enemy has uh, the people captured and in bondage and enslaved and has afflicted the people of God. You, you, you come out of one thing, and then you're right back either into the same thing or you're into something else. So the enemy's just been pouncing on the people of God. And God said, I have seen that, and I have heard your cries. But he also said that I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. You know, the world, Egypt represents the world, and the world is the world. The world does what the world does, uh, wickedness and unrighteousness, and the world is the kingdom of darkness. And God said, I see how uh, 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 my children are being treated in this world system. That's why we, we don't put our confidence in this world system. Our confidence is in the Lord. All sorts of lies, deceit, trickery, all sorts of oppression and depression is being uh, inflicted upon the people of God through this world system. So God said, I see that, and I hear that, and I am come down to deliver you. I am coming to see about you. I am coming to break the chains that have you bound. I am coming to set the captives free. He said, I am coming, glory be to God. And he said, I will bring you up out of that land. 
I'm going to bring you out of the land of bondage. I'm going to bring you out of that 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 uh, sickness that has been plaguing your body. I'm going to bring you out of that 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 sin, that enslavement, that bondage that you have been in. I'm going to bring you up out of that. I'm going to do it myself, says the Lord. Glory be to God. And we know that God is a deliverer because he sent his son Jesus to set the captives free. So I want to encourage somebody tonight and let you know that God wants to deliver you. Glory be to God. And we do thank God for that because his mercy endureth forever. Now, when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord from the depths of their heart in true godly sorrow, God hastened to deliver his children. Glory be to God. He did then and he does now. Glory be to God. It is the same with you and I. When we see um, our children in pain and, and being afflicted and tormented, we are eager to help our children. Glory be to God. Well, where does that come from? That eagerness is love, which comes from the Father. Glory be to God. Psalm 34 and 6 says, This poor man cried and unto the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. And it goes on to state in verse 15 through 18 that God's ears are open to our cry. Just like any good parent, when your child cries, you know the sound of that cry. You know when they're playing games, and you know when it's the real deal. Glory be to God. And so when that cry comes from our heart, God hears our cry, and he will be moved with such love and compassion because we serve not a God who is not touched by the feelings of our infirmity. He, his heart is touched by our sincere cry, glory be to God in the highest. And you may not understand this, but I'm going to tell you something. God wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. And God wants to heal you more than you want to be healed. God wants to deliver you more than you want to be delivered. He loves us just that much. God sent his only begotten son so that we could live. Jesus died in our place. Romans 5 and 8 says that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That was you and that was me. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. When we were still sinners, when we were wretched and rank sinners, God, hallelujah, he died for us. Glory be to God. He sent his son Jesus to die for us. So countless Christians are asking the question, what is deliverance? Some say, um, that they thought salvation was all you needed. So why do I need to be delivered? What do I need to be delivered from? Well, I'm glad you asked. Salvation is indeed all that is needed for the forgiveness of sins, 
through the blood of Jesus Christ and faith in his word, but deliverance is something totally different. Deliverance is necessary for every believer, and it comes after salvation. Deliverance, if, you, if you're listening to the sound of my voice tonight, I want you to write this down. What is deliverance? Deliverance is the removal of demons. Glory be to God. It is the removal of unclean spirits that are called demons that infiltrate our lives to contaminate us through oppression and depression. Now, Mark chapter 16 is the believer's authority, glory be to God, to cast out demons. So I'm going to read this to you tonight. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 16. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And this is what it says. He that believeth in and, and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. This is, these are the words of Jesus. He said, in my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Well, cast out devils. Where, where are these devils at? These devils are these unclean spirits that have infiltrated the, the, the lives of God's people. Glory be to God. And they manifest in, in various ways. They manifest in the form of sickness. They manifest in spiritual oppression and depression. Glory be to God. They manifest in torment. They come to torment the believers of Jesus Christ. Glory be to God. And he says that in his name, we will cast out these devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So God has given every spirit-filled believer authority to cast out demons. Glory be to God. You have to have three things. There are three things that you must have. You must have the Holy Spirit. You've got to be saved. You've got to have the Holy Spirit. You must have the Word. In other words, you must be a walking, talking Bible. And you must, you must have faith to believe that what God said we can do, we can do. If you don't have those three things, you're not going to be a, 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 a deliverance minister. Glory be to God. Now, God is no respecter of persons. We know this from the scripture. I can tell you what he does respect. He is a respecter of faith. So I want to ask you tonight, where is your faith? Jesus said when he comes, will he find faith in the earth? You cannot cast out demons if you don't believe that God has given us the authority to cast out demons. If you don't believe it, they, uh, some people don't even believe in demons. They say, oh, I don't believe in nothing like that. That has never stopped a demon from tormenting anyone. The fact that you don't believe in it, that's a sign right there that you're being tormented by the enemy. Glory be to God. You've been infiltrated, and the enemy has inflicted you uh, with his lies. Glory be to God. And so um, 
with what do we have to do in order to uh, to be delivered? I'm so glad you asked. Glory be to God. You must be spirit-filled to cast out demons. And um, in order to be delivered is to be set free from the bondage, enslavement, addiction, and bad habits that oppress and depress us. Most people don't even know that they are in bondage. But let me tell you how you can recognize if you are in bondage. Bondage is the enslavement to anything that you cannot stop doing on your own. I'm going to say that again. Bondage is enslavement to anything or anyone that you cannot stop doing on your own. If you can't stop smoking, you're in bondage. If you can't stop drinking, you're in bondage. If you can't stop lying, you're in bondage. If you can't stop uh, 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 behaving in, in sexual immorality, you're in bondage to it. If you cannot stop uh, overeating, you're in bondage. Whatever it is that you cannot stop doing on your own, you are a slave to it. So bondage is anything that you cannot stop doing on your own, uh, such as drinking and smoking and overeating, uh, uh, lust and perversion. And demons are not to be counseled. Demons must be cast out. Nowhere in the scripture will you find where the Lord told us to counsel demons. But that seems to be the new thing now. Everybody's going to counseling. Everybody's going to counseling. You know, sometimes you see people, and um, after you get to know them a while, they got these little quirks and idiosyncrasies and habits, and you say, oh, that's just how they are. No, that is not just how they are. That is a demon. If they continuously do these crazy things and and they're unable to stop on their own, uh, they're in bondage. They're in bondage. And sometimes the bondage can be uh, through soul ties. You can be in bondage to a person because you've made a soul tie with that person. But you are still in bondage. And that soul tie will have to be broken and uh you, that demon will have to be cast out. Glory be to God. Um, so nowhere uh, are we told in the scriptures to counsel demons. As a matter of fact, let's think of the absurdity of trying to counsel a demon. You cannot counsel a demon. It must be cast out. That is what the scripture said. I believe the Bible. Glory be to God. And uh, another thing I've encountered quite a bit is that people will bring somebody uh, to you and say, um, my sister needs to be delivered. Well, the sister got to want to be delivered. You cannot bring somebody for deliverance that don't want to be delivered. If they okay with it, uh, with whatever the problem is, or whatever the torment or bondage or enslavement is, hey, I'm not going to waste my time or my breath only when that person gets sick and tired of being sick and tired. So many people are trying to recommend 
somebody else for deliverance, and uh, most more than likely, they need to be delivered themselves. But until that person says that they want to be delivered, you are wasting your time. Glory be to God. Nobody else can want this for you. I mean, we can want it for you, but we can't do it for you. That person needs to come uh, forth and, and acknowledge that they have a problem. So I believe that there are five steps to deliverance, and the first one is uh, acknowledgement. The individual who wants to be delivered must acknowledge that they have a problem. Now, let's turn to 1 John. We're going to turn to 1 John um, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. And this is what it says. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he, which is God, is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Acknowledge that you have a problem. It's kind of like going to the doctor. People don't just go to the doctor um, just to chit-chat. You go to the doctor because you tell the doctor, I have a problem. This hurts. That hurts. Uh, something is, is not right within my body. So you go to the doctor, and the first thing, he'll say, what seems to be the problem? In other words, he wants you to acknowledge that you have a problem. Otherwise, he's going to say, then why are you here? I mean, it would look ridiculous for you to say, uh, uh, I, I just came by to see you, doc. I don't have a problem. You're wasting the doctor's time and yours as well. So you must first acknowledge that you have a problem. Now, I, I want to use this as an illustration. Uh, I used to have roaches. I'm going to talk about that tonight. I had roaches in my first apartment. I was poor, and uh, I lived in the ghetto, and I had roaches. And um, after a while, I got tired of living with the roaches because, first of all, roaches are unclean uh, insects. They carry a lot. They are filthy, as a matter of fact. They carry a lot of germs. They will contaminate any of your food that they get into. They can even bite you on your body. They will contaminate you and infect you. And um, um, that's what sin is like. Having roaches is like having sin. It's like demons having demons in your life. So you want to get rid of the roaches and you want to get rid of the demons. But you got to acknowledge that I got a problem. And so I had these roaches and um, somebody told me, hey, you can put down bird acid and sugar and that they'll eat it and that will kill them. I tried it. It didn't work. And then somebody said, uh, you can uh, try a little bit of this I tried that, and that didn't work. So finally, I got sick and tired of living with roaches. If you notice, I didn't say they were living with me. I was living with them because they began to multiply. They had infested my apartment, and I called an exterminator. I acknowledged that I had a problem, and I called for an exterminator. And when the exterminator came, now, uh, it, it, when it comes to sin, 
Jesus Christ is the exterminator. Hallelujah. So I called the exterminator, and he came over, and I said, I want these roaches out of here. I'm not living with roaches anymore. Now, the exterminator, he didn't just come to my house one day and say, hey, miss, I heard you got a problem. No, it doesn't work that way. I had to call the company and acknowledge I got a problem. I got a pest control problem, and I need you to come here and do what you do and get rid of this problem for me. So the exterminator came over, and um, I told him a little bit more about the problem, and he began to uh, address my problem. Now, he was spraying my apartment, and he sprayed it uh, several times because sometimes when you live in an apartment, now listen to this. This is very important. When you live in an apartment, roaches um, don't necessarily have to be your problem. They don't have to be your roaches. They can come from somebody else's apartment. I had him to come several times and spray so that the roaches wouldn't run from my apartment uh, to somebody else's, and then when, when things cool down, they will come back. That's how demons are. The Bible says that when a demon is cast out, he goes into uh, a dry place, and they don't like dry places. Uh, they they say, you know, I, I'm going to go back to my house. I'm going back to my original house. And then when they come back, the Bible says he finds it clean and swept and garnished, but it's not filled. If it's not filled, if that house, which is your spirit, if that house is not filled with the Holy Spirit, then the Bible says that he brings seven more demons with him, and the last state of that man is worse than before. So I didn't want these roaches, these unclean, uh, 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 filthy pests to come back to my apartment. So I had the exterminator uh, on, on contract. He came uh, frequently to spray until they were all gone. And, um, you know, while he was doing his job, I watched him, and I mean he was meticulous in his job, but wouldn't I have looked foolish if I would have said to him, leave this roach because I kind of like him? No, I wanted them all gone. I wanted them out of my apartment. Now, that's the way we do sin. You know, we have some preferential sin. There are some sins we kind of like. And so when uh, the exterminator, which is Jesus Christ, comes to exterminate our uh, uh, pest control problem, then we say to him, we say to the Lord, um, Lord, you can get rid of my smoking demons. Uh, you can get rid of my drinking demons. You can even come and exterminate my uh, lying demons. But don't mess with my fornicating demons. Don't mess with him because I kind of like him. Don't mess with my lust demons. Don't mess with my uh, perversion demons. No, don't mess with that. And so that is, I would have looked as equally foolish had I said to the exterminator, 
uh, about this one roach because one roach, one roach has a sack, and in that sack there are enough eggs to repopulate my whole apartment. As a matter of fact, to reinfest the entire building. One roach. So when I got rid of my roaches, I got rid of them all. And when we get rid of sin, when we call the exterminator, when we call on Jesus Christ and ask him, Lord, get this out of me. Lord, I don't want to be in sin anymore. You need to make sure that you are serious about getting rid of your sins, and you lay it all on the altar. You don't tell God, I want to keep this. I want to keep my fornicating uh, demons. I want to keep my lust demons. Uh, I, I, I want to keep uh, uh, my perversion demons. You don't tell God that because a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump. So the first thing we must do is acknowledge, glory be to God, acknowledge that we got a problem. Then the next thing you have to do is repent. Acts 2 and 38, I'm going to turn there. Glory be to God in the highest. Hallelujah. Then, now I'll start at the very uh, 37. Now, when they had heard this, they were pricked to their heart and said to Peter, And to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now, once the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached the first message. And the message was so powerful because Peter was not the same Peter who was crouched over in a corner afraid and said he did not know Jesus Christ and denied him three times. Oh, no. This is not the same Peter. When the Holy Ghost came, Peter was bold as a lion, and Peter was full of the word, and Peter had power. So when Peter preached this first message, it was so power-packed that conviction came upon those that were listening to this message. And the Bible says, now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. They were convicted and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why in Jesus' name? Because there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The only way to God the Father is through his son, Jesus Christ. He said, repent in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, hallelujah, had empowered Peter to preach like never before. So when Peter preached his first message, He preached the message of repentance. Glory be to God. And it amazes me how you see these church services online and people uh, go up after the message to receive Christ and there's no repentance. They tell the people what to say. 
they say, repeat after me and the people, um, the individual that went to receive the Lord, uh, repeats after them, and there's no godly sorrow. Glory be to God. And they shake the preacher's hand, and that seems to be the end of the deal. Now, that that is that 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 that, that is a false message, because first of all, I'm going to tell you what repentance is. Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of heart that leads to a change of action. So when we really repent, your mind is going to be changed about whatever it is that you thought you once loved. And then it's going to change your heart. You will no longer desire to do that thing anymore because you know that displeases God. And then it's going to lead to a change of action. You're going to turn from that. You will turn from your selfish sins, because that's all sin is, is selfishness, and you will turn to God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So when it's true godly sorrow, there's going to be a change. It's going to be a change of mind, a change of heart, which is going to lead to a change of action. So if people don't repent on that altar, they will not be saved. They will not. They may have said this sinner's prayer that people are leading them to say. They may have shook the preacher's hand. But because there was no true repentance, there will be salvation will not take place in that individual's life. And I'm tired of these preachers and these altar workers leading people into these false confessions and making them believe that they are saved or they they are now born again and they are not because they never repented. You must repent. I had to repent in order for me to be who I am today. As a matter of fact, I repent on a daily basis. But when I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, there was so much godly sorrow. As a matter of fact, nobody had to tell me what to say. I didn't have to repeat after nobody else. I had a talk with God myself. I told God that I had sinned against him and that I was so sorry for the way that I had lived. And I apologized to him. I told God, I'm sorry for the way that I have abused and misuse this gift of life that you have given me. And I told God, I said, if you will save me, I will serve you till I die. I asked the Lord to forgive me with tears streaming down my face. It was true godly sorrow. I had never experienced that before, but it came from my heart, and it was real. And, it, and and I repented in that moment. You know, when I got saved, I got saved in the county jail. I didn't even have an address. I was homeless. I didn't know if I was going back to prison. I was guilty of the charges I was in jail for. I didn't know where I was going to live. I didn't know where my next meal was coming from. I didn't know anything. But one thing I knew, I knew I was never going to use drugs and alcohol again. 
I knew I was not going back to the streets as a prostitute. I knew that I was not going to uh, use crack cocaine again. I knew I was never going to do those things again. Those were things that I once loved, enjoyed doing. I was deep in sexual sin. I enjoyed it. But I knew as of that very moment, I would never do those things again. I had no more desire to do them. So there was a change of mind and a change of heart immediately, and it led to a change of action. I turned from my selfishness, my selfish sins to God, and I left the affairs of this world to him. I, 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 I left where I was going to live to him. I left whether I was going back to prison. I left all of that to him. I didn't try to will and deal with God. I didn't have anything to negotiate with. I just said, God, if you'll save me, I will serve you till I die. And can I tell you something? The women that were in that jail with me, they heard uh, my confession. They saw my tears, and they said, they bet against me. They said, we give her two weeks, and she'll be back on crack. They said, we give her two weeks, and she'll be back prostituting. They said, we give her two weeks, and she'll be back in jail. But I served notice on them tonight. It's been 30 years, and God has kept me by his mighty power. He's a keeper. He's a keeper. You don't have to keep yourself. God will keep you. He will deliver you and keep you if you want to be kept. I think it's in um, 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy um, chapter, let me see, chapter 2. Let me see. It might be 2 Timothy. Chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1, and it says, For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. God is able to keep us. Not only is he able to save us, he doesn't just save us and then leave us on our own. He doesn't just deliver us and then leave us to uh, take care of it, all of it ourselves. He saves us, delivers us, and keeps us if we want to be kept. All right. Step number three is renunciation. You must renounce your ties with Satan, your relationship. You must renounce whatever it is. I had to renounce Satan. I told him I no longer wanted him to have dominion over me. I no longer wanted to be a crack addict. I no longer wanted to be a prostitute. I no longer wanted to serve sin. I renounced those things. I renounced 
I publicly renounced them. I said it out loud. You know, people are telling people today, oh, you can just take care of this uh, when you get home in the quietness and in private. No, you need to make a public announcement to the devil. You will no longer have dominion over me. You will no longer rule me. I will no longer serve you. And that's what renunciation is. Glory be to God. And then rebuke the devil. Rebuke the devil. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. But there comes a time you have to rebuke that devil in the name of the Lord. Jesus, he rebuked him. Glory be to God. I recommend that the person who is delivering you, who's taking you through deliverance, would rebuke the devil because you have to have authority to rebuke Satan. And five, the, the fifth step is cast him out. Cast the devil out. Don't try to counsel with the devil. Don't do a whole lot of talking to the devil. You certainly don't have to do no screaming and yelling at the devil. Exercise your authority and cast that devil out. Tell him to come out in the name of Jesus. After that individual has renounced Satan and the works of darkness and repented and acknowledged that they have a problem, that they are enslaved and they are in bondage, then you have authority to cast that devil out. Now, God has given us weapons I call them weapons of mass destruction. You remember when Saddam Hussein, uh, when the U.S. went over there, they were looking for weapons of mass destruction. Uh, It was said that uh, Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction. And um, they got over there and they didn't find any. But God has given the believer weapons of mass destruction. So I'm going to turn now to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to look at verses 4 and 5. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And this is what it says. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, part of this says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And what that means is to fight against the enemy, we do not use carnal weaponry. We do not use knives. We do not use guns. Uh, We do not use missiles. We do not use, uh, 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 some people uh, feel like they can just cuss you out, and that's going to get the job done. That is not a weapon of warfare, not a, a spiritual weapon of warfare. Glory be to God. So we don't use those weapons. We use what God has given us because they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, what are these weapons? The eight, there are at least eight that I'm going to give you tonight. Eight WMD, weapons of mass destruction. 
against the enemy. First is the word. Glory be to God. Let's look at Psalm 138 and 2. Glory be to God. Psalm 138 and 2. Hallelujah. The word of God. And this is what it says. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. So the word of God has, is magnified above the name of Jesus. So you must have, you must have an arsenal in your arsenal, the word of God. Glory be to God. You must have an abundance of the word. Glory be to God. And then we have the name of Jesus. Glory be to God. Uh, let's look at John, John chapter 15, hallelujah. And um, John chapter 15 and verse 16, he says, and ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, glory be to God, he will give it you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's John chapter 15, hallelujah. John chapter 15 and verse 16, hallelujah. And then I want to give you some more scripture uh, 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 concerning the word. Uh, John chapter 15 and verse 7 says, If you abide in me and my word abide in you, you shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. So this is where we are taught to speak the word. Speak the word. Speak the word over your life. Glory be to God in the highest. We have to speak the word of God. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm thankful that God has given us his word. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. All right, John. First John chapter 1 says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Thank you, Jesus. First John 1 and verse 7. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And then, so the blood... So we have the word, the name of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus. And now let's look at number four, faith. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the faith chapter. So this is what it says. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 6 says that without faith, it is impossible 
to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that seek them. Glory be to God. So we can look at this whole chapter, Hebrews 11, and um, this revelation concerning faith. But uh, the scriptures also tell us that um, uh, we walk by faith and not by sight. That is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter, no, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and um, verse number 7. So we walk by faith and not by sight. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, we give you praise. We give you praise. I'm sorry, I made a mistake. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. So we have to walk the walk of faith. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In other words, you must believe. you got to believe that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. you got to believe that God is able to do what he said he would do. And not just able, when you bring that petition to God in prayer, you must believe that he hears you and he will answer you. He will do it. Glory be to God. There are so many people that are sick today, just plagued with sickness, because they don't believe he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So they sit up and confess sickness. They sit up and confess what the doctor says. No, I'm confessing what Isaiah 53 and 5 says, I am healed in Jesus' name. I don't care what the symptoms are. Sometimes the symptoms, they will persist. But you have to tell the devil what the word of God says. But it's no point you telling Satan if you don't believe it. Because Satan knows if you believe it or not. Glory be to God. So I'm healed in Jesus' name from all manner of sickness. Symptoms may uh, uh, linger, but I'm healed in Jesus' name. Pain might continue, but I'm healed in Jesus' name. I'm healed because I believe God. For the Bible says, with God, all things are possible. You see, if I believe him, it's possible. But if I don't believe him, it's not possible at all. It is impossible with men, but with God, all things are possible. So I believe it. I believe the word of God. It says I'm healed, and I am healed. Glory be to God. And then prayer. So we have one, two, three, four, five. Now, number five is prayer. The scriptures tell us that the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. Glory be to God in the highest. So I believe God. I believe that the effectual fervent prayer. And then uh, 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 we're told in Second um, Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. Glory be to God. So we have to pray and we have to believe 
We have to believe that what we are praying for, that God will do it. Glory be to God in the highest. Hallelujah. So I thank you, Lord. I thank you for these weapons. Praise. Praise will still be avenger. Our praise, hallelujah, it goes up before the Lord as a sweet-smelling savor. The Bible says, let everything that have breath praise ye the Lord. So we praise the Lord. We praise him in the good times. We praise him in the bad times. We praise him because whether it's good times or bad times, he's still God and he's still on the throne. And the fact that he has kept you alive through it all, he still deserves the glory and the praise. Hallelujah. Worship. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. This is found in John, John chapter 4. Thank you, Holy Spirit. John chapter 4 and verse 23. He says, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. Let's look at the next verse. It says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, when we turn to Matthew, glory be to God, hallelujah, Matthew chapter, um, let me get there, Matthew chapter 15, I believe it is. Yeah, Matthew chapter 15 and, yeah, Matthew chapter 15, and um, we'll start at verse 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Lord, have mercy, have mercy on me, O Lord. Thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. So that lets you know you can be demon-possessed, all right? He answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him. Now, I want to say this. Let me clarify this. I do not believe a Christian can be demon-possessed, but I believe a Christian can be demon-oppressed. You can be oppressed of the devil. Glory be to God. But this woman, she was not a Christian. She was not uh, 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 one of the Jews. She was a Gentile, and her daughter was grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Look at verse 22. It changed the game. And the Bible says, Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. This woman was told, I cannot help you because I am only called to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But this woman did not care about that. She said she got down on her knees, and the Bible said she worshipped him and said, Lord, help me. But he said, he answered and said, it is not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. 
they called the Gentiles dogs. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs of which fall from their master's table. Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Here it is. This woman was a Gentile. She was not a Jew. But she came and she made her request. And Jesus said, I, I, I'm not even called to help you. It, it, I, I, I'm not. And she said, but Lord, I can eat the crumbs from the master's table. She didn't even mind that he called her a dog. See, most of us would have been offended. Mm. He come calling me a dog. Mm. I don't want nothing to do with him, no way. But this woman was desperate, and desperate people do desperate things. So she got down on her knees and worshipped him. Worship is a game changer. Worship is a weapon of mass destruction. If you ever want to wreck Satan's brain, you just begin to worship God in spite of what's going on, in spite of your problem. You lift your hands and worship him in spirit and in truth. Glory be to God. And watch what God does. Hallelujah. Glory be to God in the highest. And another weapon, which is the last one I'm going to give you tonight, is the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit came, I want to read to you what the Word of God said, the Holy Spirit. He came to do a work in the people of God. Hallelujah. And he came, hallelujah, on the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Hallelujah. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Glory be to God. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galilean? How hear we every man in his own in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia in Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Now, before the Holy Ghost came, before Jesus 
as he was about to ascend into the heavens. He said this in Acts chapter 1. And he said, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. You see, the Holy Ghost is power. And you will, with this power, you will have this bold witness of Jesus Christ. He said, in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. This was the last thing Jesus said to them before he ascended on high. But if we also look in Acts, I mean, not Acts, in Luke, Luke 10 and verse 19, Hallelujah. When Jesus, he sent the um, disciples out two by two, glory be to God, and he told them to go. He sent out 70, and he told them to go out and to uh, evangelize and to witness, and they came back. But before he sent them, the Bible said that he, he breathed on them. Hallelujah. And this is what he said. Behold, I give unto you power. You see, the Holy Spirit is the power that you need to do anything for God. You can't do nothing for God without the Holy Ghost. And he said, power, that word is exousia, to tread on serpents and scorpions, and power over all the power of the enemy. That second word is uh, dunamis, which is like dynamite. So exousia is authority, and dunamis is dynamite. And this is why Peter became a bold preacher. He was full of the power of the Holy Ghost after the day of Pentecost. Hallelujah. He was a different Peter. He was a changed man. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. To preach that first message. And 3,000 souls were added unto the church when Peter preached. He said, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's Luke 10 and 19. So you need the power of the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Spirit in order to have power in order to be a deliverance minister. Because if you don't have this power, you will be like the seven sons of Sceva, who when they tried to do what they saw Paul do, the demons spoke and said, Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but who are you? And the demons jumped on them and beat them out of their clothes, and they ran out of town naked. All right? So you don't want to try uh, uh, to be a deliverance minister. You don't want to try to cast out devils and you are not spirit-filled. You must have the Holy Ghost. Jesus said you must be born of the water and of the Spirit. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. I pray that this is blessing uh, someone on tonight. Now, to be delivered is to be set from bondage. Glory be to God. We all need to be delivered. Hallelujah. 
Christians need to be delivered from everything and anything that does not produce godly fruit. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And um, Jesus said this in John, uh, the 15th chapter. He said that your fruit might remain. Glory be to God. Jesus' blood paid the price for our salvation, but deliverance comes only through spiritual warfare. Glory be to God. Now, demons don't want to leave. That's why they got to be cast out. The Bible plainly tells us that this kind comes out but by prayer and fasting. So uh, uh, whenever you're doing deliverance, there must be some prayer and fasting. Fasting must accompany the prayer uh, for deliverance. Hallelujah. Deliverance is for anybody and everybody. But as I said earlier, the individual must want to be delivered. Now, People have asked me, what are demons? So I'm going to answer this tonight. Demons are fallen angels. And when Satan, who was named Lucifer, was cast out of heaven, he took a third of the angels with him because they rebelled with him against God. And demons are in the earth, and they uh, they need a body to, uh, uh, to to infiltrate. So they're always looking for a victim, so to speak. And if you open doors, are going to come through. They're going to come through those doors. Whatever doorway that you open, I'm not going to get into doorways tonight, but if you open doors, maybe you watch uh, uh, R-rated movie, that's a doorway. And the enemy is going to come through it. All right? Maybe you told a lie and you didn't repent for it. The enemy's going to come through that doorway. Glory be to God. Why is it that so many Christians have not been delivered? It is because of the absence of the Holy Spirit and the Word in many of these churches. And many Christians, are as individuals, Neglect the word of God. I just don't understand how Christians can neglect the word of God and neglect prayer, which is our lifeline to God. But they are lazy. They are either too busy. One woman called me. She was calling me almost every day for prayer. And um, she had a television, a Christian television ministry. But she was calling me every day for prayer. Said, girl, when do you pray? She told me, I don't have time. And I said, what do you mean? She said, "Um, I I don't have time. So I said, well, get up early in the morning. Get up early in the morning and pray. You know what she told me? Uh, People call me by 630 in the morning. They start calling me at 630 in the morning. So she did not have time for prayer. Now, my question is, how did this woman have a Christian radio program? And she did not have time for prayer. I just don't understand that. Christians who neglect the word of God and neglect prayer, they are weak Christians. And they're always calling somebody else for prayer. But there comes a time that you ought to be able to pray for yourself, and then you go on and grow in faith where you can pray for other people. 
But if it's always you on the receiving end and, and you got a ministry, how you going to have a ministry and you don't pray? How you going to have a ministry and you don't spend no time in the Word? I talked to a man on Sunday, and the man told me uh, what his line of work was, and I said, um, do you spend any time um, in prayer? I said, how much time do you spend in prayer? He told me he was doing uh, Proverbs 31 and that, um, you know, he read a verse every day. And um, I knew right there this man was not spending any time in, in the Word. And I told him that's not enough. I said, in order for you to be the priest of your home, I said, you need to spend at least one hour, at least a minimum of one hour a day in the word of God and in prayer. You know what he told me? Uh, uh, I'll, see, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Like he was doing me a favor. No, you're doing this because, first of all, Jesus himself said, can you not pray with me for one hour? This is going to build up your spiritual muscles. Hallelujah. Because I know, I know uh, uh, I need to spend time in the Word, and I do. I get up early, and I spend that time. I have consecrated a certain hour of the day. I'm up, and I'm in the Word, and, and, and then I sit quietly before the Lord, and I listen to him. But others, I, I, I don't know why they want to be uh, strong Christians, but they don't want to spend no time in God's Word or in prayer. Now, I question whether these people really want to go to heaven or not, because heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. And if you don't prepare, how is it, if you can't uh, uh, commit to one hour of prayer, how is it that you are going to want to spend eternity with the Lord? You're going to be unhappy. So I don't understand that. I, I, somebody have to call in and help me with that one because I don't understand that, how people want to spend eternity with the Lord Jesus in heaven, but they don't want to spend an hour with him here in the earth. That, um, to me, that is very perplexing. Hallelujah. All right, let's continue. Now, the word is a powerful seed of God. And wherever it is planted, it will produce spirit and life. John 6 and 63 says, my word is spirit and life. Demons are very comfortable in their old house and will not be evicted easily. You must develop an attitude, a, 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 a self-righteous attitude of, of not in my house. You, you, you got to be tired sick and tired of being sick and tired. When a demon sees that you mean business and that you begin to exercise your spiritual authority that is given to every believer uh, through Mark 16, verse 16 through 18, through prayer and fasting and the word of God, then no demon, no demon can live in this environment. Jesus spoke the word to the demon, and he said, it is written. And those demons knew they were not dealing uh, with a novice or with somebody that was weak. They knew they had to go. Why? Because his word is 
spirit and life, and it will not return to him void. You must fight for your deliverance. You must declare war against the enemy. You, if the enemy is attacking your home, uh, you need to be on the counter attack. If he's attacking your marriage, your ministry, it just amazes me how we just we just cave in, we just roll over and let the devil just come in and infiltrate our home and tear up the family, tear up the marriage, and and, and he he just infiltrates our body and we just lay there. Well, the doctor said I got this, and the doctor said I ain't got but six months to live. Never, never let a doctor number your days. Glory be to God. Speak the word of life over yourself. The Bible says we have power. There is power of life and death in our tongue. Speak life. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So whatever the enemy is invading, if he's invading your home, your marriage, your finances, you have to be the one to tell the devil, enough is enough. Glory be to God. Renounce him. Repent that devil out. Satan will only leave when he knows that you know your right. Glory be to God. And so many times we open so many doors that give the enemy legal rights. My friend uh, Elkie just wrote a powerful book called Legal Rights, and I'm telling you, she goes into, you know, what gives the enemy legal rights to uh, certain areas of our life. We open the door. We simply open the door. And Satan, you don't even have to invite him in. He's going to come through that door. So we have to engage in spiritual warfare. Fight for your family. Fight for your marriage. Fight, but use the weapons. Use the weapons of mass destruction. Use the word. Use the name of Jesus. Use the blood of Jesus. Use faith. Use prayer. Praise worship, and the Holy Spirit. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Spiritual warfare is to aggressively fight against the enemy using the word of God. That's why I say you have to have an abundance of the word. Hallelujah. You can fight offensively or you can fight defensively. Now, let me tell you something. If you're on the defensive you are a reactionary. But if you're on the offense, you are proactive. Glory be to God. And it's better to fight proactively than to be reactionary. Glory be to God. This is how we pull down strongholds, those wicked imaginations that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And you also have to be dressed in the armor. You got to have your armor on. Let's turn now to Ephesians. Chapter 6, glory be to God. Glory, hallelujah. And look at what we got to do. I'm telling you, uh, uh, people are lazy now. They want somebody to do it for them. But can't nobody do this for you. You got to do this for yourself. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Put your armor on. Get dressed. Just like you get dressed for work or for school, put your armor on. Hallelujah. The whole armor of God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. See, we got to be strong not in, our, in and of ourselves, 
but in the power of his might. Glory be to God. That's why your faith has to come in. You got to believe that God is who he said he is. His name, one of the names of God is El Gabor, the mighty warrior. Glory be to God in the highest. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Satan is going to attack, but we have to be able to stand against it. Glory be to God. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You think that's your mama that's coming against you or your brother or your sister or your uncle, but it's not. It's not your boss. It's not uh, your best friend. It is the enemy operating through those people. Glory be to God. So we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against the rulers of darkness. Glory be to God uh, of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Glory be to God. In other words, uh, 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 there are, uh, there, there's a hierarchy in Satan. Glory be to God. There's a hierarchy. You got Satan, and then you got his 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 regional uh, 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 principality, and then you got his uh, demons, and you got his foot soldiers, and you got all of those rankings. And so we have to put on the whole armor of God. We've got to be dressed for success. We got to get dressed for battle every day because there's a war going on. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. You can run from the battle, but you're not going to get far. You might as well fight. Glory be to God. And you got to use the weapons that God has left us to fight with. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. You got to have on truth having on the breastplate of righteousness. You got to have on righteousness. You got to be dressed in the robe of righteousness, which is provided for us through the shed blood of Jesus and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Glory be to God. Above all, taking the shield of faith. See, without faith, it is impossible to do any of this. Glory be to God. Wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, Satan, he's going to be firing these fiery darts off at us throughout the day. From the minute you wake up, hallelujah, Satan is going to be firing these fiery darts off in rapid succession like a, 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 like a machine gun. Glory be to God. But you got to be able to have the shield of faith in place. Hallelujah. So that you can quench those fiery dots. They won't get through. But now if you don't have your shield of faith in place, if you're not believing God, you'll believe every lie of the enemy. The doctor come and tell you you got cancer and you're caved in. Oh, I got cancer. Oh, I'm out of here. No, 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 no. You have to believe the word of God with his stripes. I am healed. Glory be to God. If the doctor gives you that diagnosis, you tell the doctor that might be the fact, but this is the truth. By his stripes, I am healed. Glory be to God. Taking the shield of faith, which, which we are able to quench all the fiery, not some, but all, all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation. Glory be to God. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. 
Hallelujah. When you take the sword of the spirit, you can cut the head of the snake off. Glory be to God. So many people have snakes just slithering all around them. Hallelujah. The snake that wraps itself around you. Hallelujah. The python spirit is about to choke you and, and, and squeeze the very life out of you. But you got to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and cut the head of the snake off. Glory be to God in the highest. Stop all these crimes. Gird up your loins and prepare to do battle. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. This is what we've got to do. It is not optional. Glory be to God. Praying in the spirit. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. You got to put on the armor. If you leave your house without the armor, you are a target. You got you walking around with a bullseye on you. And the devil knows that she ain't prayed today. She ain't fasting. She ain't doing nothing for God. Glory be to God. She ain't been in the word. Glory be to God in the height. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And those are the people that are constantly being defeated by the enemy. Glory be to God. And the only reason the devil ain't took you out is because of God's grace and his mercy. Hallelujah. So we got to pull down those strongholds. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. That's something we got to do. God's not going to do that. We got to do that. But he gave us power and he gave us the weapon to do that with. Hallelujah. Those wicked imaginations. Do you know that every thought that comes to your mind is not yours? Cast it down. Glory be to God. And cast down those wicked imaginations. The devil tell you, oh, you ought to try this. You ought to do this. Cast that thought down. Hallelujah. To the obedience. Make it become obedient to Christ. Hallelujah. Everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We pull them down with the word of God. Hallelujah. Wordless Christians are weak Christians. I'm going to say that again. Wordless Christians and prayerless Christians are weak Christians. They are spiritually immature. They are always crying and begging and pulling on their pastor to fight for them. The pastor might be able to get the devil off you, but not many of them can because they don't even believe in this. But what you going to do when you can't get to the pastor? What do you? What are you going to do when the pastor is out of town? What are you going to do when you can't find the pastor? You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to learn how to gird up your loins and fight. Glory be to God. Many Christians are being defeated because they are not skilled in how to fight back with the word of God. I was talking to a lady uh, about a month ago, and uh, she was really just trying to persuade me that she was a strong Christian. But I could tell that she was not. I discerned that she was not. So I said to her, ma'am, can you give me uh, a scripture for healing? 
He said, oh, there are many scriptures for healing. I said, ma'am, just give me one. She said, oh, I, I can't think of one right now. And I knew she didn't have no word in her because if she had had the word of God in her, she would have at least been able to say, with his stripes, I am healed. She didn't know that. She didn't know you are the Lord that healeth me. She didn't have no word in her. But she was trying to present herself as a strong uh, uh, Christian. She was not. As a matter of fact, before the interview was over, it turned out that she was in sexual sin, which she did confess. Not spending no time in the word, but she's spending time uh, uh, fornicating. See, all these things come to distract us. The enemy, the enemy will send you something, and uh, it's tall, dark, and handsome, but it's not of God. He's not going to send you. God's not going to send you a fornicating friend. He's not. He's not going to do that. He's not going to send you somebody to 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 do your secret sins with. He's not. The word of God is the believer's greatest weapon. And we must remember that Satan is unmerciful and he is relentless. The Bible says he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, that word devour, um, you think of a wolf. A wolf is a devourer. And a wolf he ravishes his uh, uh, his prey. He is not merciful. He rips it to pieces. He savagely devours its prey. So you don't need to be playing with the enemy. The word of God is the believer's greatest weapon. And we must use it so that we can walk in victory. Jesus used the word when he fought the devil and he was in the wilderness. The devil came to him three times and tried to tempt him to sin against God, but he used the word of God. Each time he said, it is written, and he quoted the scripture. And the Bible says that the devil had to leave Jesus for a season because of the word. It didn't mean he didn't come back. We saw him again in the garden. But guess what? Even then, Jesus overcame the temptation. He overcame. This is why he tells us in the book of Revelation, to he that overcometh, I will give, second chapter of Revelation. And then he tells us in the book of John, be of good cheer. I have already overcome the world. So this is tonight's message on God wants to deliver you. He wants to deliver you more than you want to be delivered. 
Glory be to God. Deliverance is for those who want it. You got to be willing to do what it takes to get delivered. If you were sick and you went to the doctor and the doctor prescribed a prescription for you and he told you to take this prescription at a certain time every day so that you could get healed, you would be willing to do it. You would be willing to do it because you want to get healed. And this is your prescription. I have just written you a prescription. I didn't write my own prescription. I wrote the Word of God. I have given you the Word of God tonight. And if you follow this prescription, you can be delivered because God has heard your cry and he has seen your affliction. And he said, I am come down to deliver you because God can deliver you. He wants to deliver you more than you want to be delivered. May God bless you tonight. This is your host, Evangelist Janet Taylor, coming to you live from Walls of Fire Deliverance Ministry International. Our web address is www.wallsoffiredeliverancemin.com. Our email address is jet245 at msn.com. If this message has blessed you and you want to sow a seed, you can do so through PayPal through Zelle. And our ID is JET245 at MSN.com. That's our identification for PayPal and Zelle. If you'd like to write us, our, web, our mailing address is P.O. Box 1148, Walkertown, North Carolina, 27105-4123. If you'd like to join us for the Sweet Hour Prayer, you can do so Monday through Saturday at 12 noon and on Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The phone number for our prayer line, we pray for one hour, is 425-436-6333, and the access code is 716-5050, followed by the pound sign. You are invited to join us, and we would love to have you. And I'm going to close with our benediction. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, 
to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. Again, this is Evangelist Janet Taylor, your host tonight on Walls of Fire Deliverance Ministry International. May God bless you and keep you until the next appointed time. God bless you and good night.